and welcome to the Aftershock with Robert Jonas and Alex Morgan. I'm Phil Leva, and we are here at PayPal Park after a 0-0 draw against Toronto FC for the San Jose Earthquakes. We're going to be getting into the press conference here pretty quickly, so I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to you first, Robert, if you can give us your initial thoughts after the match. Uh, well, I could use a cup of coffee, but uh, besides that small detail, um, you know, it was a Toronto team that, <laughs> Alex, you were prepared. It was a Toronto team that seemed pretty content to uh, just keep the uh, the center of the field clogged up and dare the Quakes to try to get stuff out on the wings. And, and they did at times. We saw Espinosa get some space. We saw Cade get some space, but it just wasn't enough all around. You know, Jeremy was very absent today and the center just didn't get his opportunities. And, uh, you know, when you don't have your offense clicking, like that uh, then you know you're you're gonna end up with a scoreless draw yeah and alex what are your what are your thoughts uh, what are you seeing here during this match and you were pretty critical on twitter i saw that right before i hopped onto the show here a snooze fest well i i had the same reaction as robert thankfully i'm in the comfort of my own home so i was able to get some caffeine and now i'm wide awake but i i nearly fell asleep at the end of that one uh gentlemen uh it looked from my vantage point, lethargic. There was a lack of intensity across the pitch. Uh, this is a home game, and I expect more of this Earthquakes team, especially of Cade Cowell and Benji Kikanovich. Uh, we saw both of them starting tonight uh, for the first time ever, possibly. Uh, first time I can remember, at least, in that at 4-4-2 formation. Uh, and they both had chances to put the Quakes ahead. Neither of them took it. Neither of them looked aggressive enough, particularly Benji Kukanovic. I, I, I just wasn't seeing the confidence and aggressiveness that we know he can bring. And that was surprising to me, given that this felt like a good opportunity for the Quakes uh, to pick themselves up again after a, a tough loss uh, uh, against St. Louis last week. It felt a little bit like some of that you know, insecurity was, was, was lingering. Some of the bad energy was lingering in this team today. Yeah, and one of the things that was quite difficult for the team, and actually Toronto had this as well, is they were they were missing players, right? The Quakes were missing players. They were without Jamero Montero because he's on international duty. Same thing with Miguel Trauco. And so they had to find other options going into the match. So we had Valdezimo starting. We had quite a different looking midfield than I think what we're, we were anticipating coming into the season. Also, Carlos Carrozzo with the injury as well. So, uh, you know, considering the the makeup that Lucci had to go with, the standard 4-4-2, as we, as we quickly pointed out, Robert, um, kind of what were you seeing there in the midfield and how they were able to make up for the loss of Grueso and Jamiro Montero, the two starters? Yeah, it, it just it seemed like with that formation, you know, the, this is not something we've seen out of the Quakes for quite a long time. And, and uh, they, they looked a little bit rusty and you had a, a player in there and Michael Badissimo playing you know, starting, you know, for the, for the first time with these earthquakes. Um, he was, uh, he was feisty. I think we both kind of looked at each other when mm -hmm. he got, a, got stuck in a couple of times there. So that was uh, encouraging. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, with Jackson sort of paired with him and playing kind of in the, those two roles in the, in the center midfield, it didn't seem like the chemistry was there. Understandably, of course, you know, they probably only practiced together this week. And I think that just, it just really limited things. So when you had Cade sort of playing as a second forward or trying to drop down sometimes and, and play into that midfield it just it didn't seem like it was uh you know a, a smoothly running operation yeah and i think we kind of pointed out too how differently jackson yule looked without having carlos Groeso to rely on and that sort of 
de defensive position, the number six position, right? If we're talking a more traditional number setup for the 442 formation. And so, um, Alex, I'm kind of curious as to your thoughts here. We had Baldissimo starting the match, we had Jackson Yule. Uh, things are looking a little bit different in the midfield than we're used to. Your thoughts? Look, th these absences aren't an excuse. There's no surprise absences tonight. It's the international window. The Quakes knew they were going to be missing Montero. They knew they were going to be missing Shakiris. They knew they were going to be missing Grezzo. They knew all of these absences were coming. And let me tell you, if you think the Quakes have it bad, Toronto have it even worse. And they're on the road. They're missing, you know, their entire midfield and, and you know, up top, Insigne, you know, they, 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 they had it worse in terms of injuries. And they literally had to call in, teams. like, fresh players off of their they, academy. They, if you want to know how bad play. it is for Toronto, they signed two new academy players to the, the, their second team yesterday, and they were in the squad for Toronto tonight. If, so there's no comparing, you know, the two situations that the teams are in. The Quakes were the, 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 the healthier, you know, uh, more available squad this week. Uh, and they weren't able to take advantage of that. And, uh, you know, you look at that midfield and and you wonder if there's enough creative spark in there without Jamiro Montero. I mean, he's been absent for two games now, and the Quakes really haven't looked the same. They're not getting those balls in behind quick enough. They're not, you know, uh, it, it, there's on the ball in possession is one thing, but the other thing that Montero contributes is that press and that energy off of the ball to win the ball in high spaces to keep the opposition in the final third. That's just not something they really had today, especially in the first half. You see it a little bit more in the second half. The second half adjustments that Luigi Gonzalez has made has, have been good, and the Quakes look more dangerous in the second half tonight. But there's just not enough energy, intensity, press in that final third. And then when they did get the ball out wide, it just felt like all of the, the momentum that they had got to – uh, got sucked out because, you know, Benji Kukanovic and Kate Cowell are losing it. It's interesting that you mentioned that about the energy, because one of the things that Robert and I were talking about during the match was kind of how the we saw a lot of Carlos uh, Capo and we saw a lot of Rodriguez uh, pushing forward to try to, you know, create a lot of what was happening there. Uh, a lot of the attack on, you know, from the fullback position from Capo. But then um, I noticed, Robert, you had quite a bit of notes in regards to Rodriguez and actually getting onto the end of some of those plays whether it was the corner kicks or, you know, basically he was finding himself more in an attacking position. He was. I mean, we saw a few of those marauding runs forward, you know, where he gets himself into position and he just kept going up there and, you know, he, he runs right into the box. He's got the hand up. He's looking for the cross from the outside and, and, uh, you know, it was very aggressive in that manner and, you know, had a couple of uh, plays on, on the set pieces, on the corner kicks, you know, where you expect him to be up there, but also uh, a number of attacking sequences. Uh, we saw him getting himself involved and, and that was the kind of spark that you know you know alex you're speaking of that energy and trying to get uh, something out of it you know he did seem to in the second half you know take on that role mm -hmm. as, a, as a catalyst and and tried to get a bit more happening and uh you know on some nights you get a couple of goals out of that intensity and uh in that effort but you know tonight that was that was not going to be the case sean johnson made the save he had to make uh on jackson and and that was really the uh the, the kind of the end of it for san jose Look, Rodriguez was San Jose's most dangerous player in the final third today. <laughs> yeah. He had at least three headed opportunities that came close that, you know, he might uh, might have been able to put in the back of the net. And when your center back is your most dangerous offensive player, that, that's a problem. That means that uh, the, the, the rest of the players aren't doing their job. And, and, and look, Rodriguez's energy is a good thing. I think that, you know, him and uh, Jonathan Mensa have been, 
probably San Jose's two standout players so far this season, but it's further ahead of them. That's the problem. It's the the midfielders and the, the wide players not being able to get involved, not being able to put Toronto FC on the back foot. This wasn't a game where I felt like the Quakes were in control on the front foot in the same way that we saw them against Atlanta United, uh, against uh, Vancouver Whitecaps in the, in the first few games of the season. It felt like uh, they w- were, you know, meeting Toronto FC at their level. It felt like a bog fest in there. Well, and, and well, you, if you, I know, possession numbers don't mean everything, but I mean, Toronto was, you know, kind of leading the possession for, especially the first half and, and for quite a, quite a good stretch yeah. of the game. Yeah, and, you know, the, the, you know, they were just attacking up that right-hand side with Bertadeschi and, you know, Paul Marie did a, a fabulous job. I thought, you know, uh, kind of a weird yellow, but uh, he was constantly getting stuck in there and, and kind of keeping Toronto at bay. But that seemed to be Toronto's whole thing. They were going to overload that right-hand side. They were going to keep defensive on uh, Espinosa and uh, prevent a lot going down the uh, the quakes left hand uh, flank uh, and and it it seemed like the quakes were more reacting to it than sort of pressing it away or or, or you know taking the initiative in that especially in that first half mm-hmm. and i really thought you know you mentioned paul paul marie looked impressive i think uh about the 83rd minute i mean his agility and yeah, like his his, <laughs> his fitness it was still there that was especially impressive aside from his play so being able to bottle up a player the caliber of Bernadeschi and then continue to play at that level on a yellow card, mind you, right? Because he had to really play with that in the back of his mind as well. To continue to do that, I think, is a very impressive showing for Paul Maurice. So, like, you know, the fullback position a year ago was one of the biggest question marks for this team, whether or not this is something they could solve, right? And suddenly we have Trauco, who's off on Peruvian international duty. We have Carlos Acapo, who's playing very well on his side. And then we have Paul Marie who can come in and fill in when when they're not going to be available so i think we have some pretty quality options here look the most entertaining part of that game was watching paul marie repeatedly keep bernadeschi in his back pocket because bernadeschi probably has the worst attitude of of any uh, major league soccer player that i've seen in a few years i mean the extent to which he was pouting he was yelling at his teammates uh, he was refusing to defend and then uh, asking his teammates to track back for him. And then when he got the ball, he was taking it down the wing, taking on 10 men and then, you know, uh, <laughs> hefting a shot on goal from 40 yards. Um, yeah, he, he had a he had a hilarious performance on that right wing. And, and it was it was uh, nice to see Paul Marie shut him down. Yeah, it's really the question is, though, can Paul Marie be consistent from match to match? Right. Because he seems to have like every match. There might be one moment where it is questionable as to the decision he made or the play that he's making. So like if Marie continues to get these starts, can he be consistent on the other end, though? Speaking of consistency, I really thought Christian Espinoza was fantastic throughout the night in terms of his ball delivery, like creating the few chances that the Quakes had. I think Espinoza was a very large part of that. Yeah, and I, I think Toronto was ready for it, you know, but you can only be ready so much. And that was mm-hmm. what was nice. So there were, you know, I, I did note a couple of the, you know, the opportunities, the the fullbacks for Toronto were able to kind of cut the cut the crosses out, but they were getting corner kicks out of those, mm-hmm. you know. So there were the, you know, plenty of opportunities in, in, in the way we expect Christian Espinosa to, to deliver. And, um, you know, and it was just, you know, I'll bring back, I said, I think I said in the beginning, uh, Jabo was sort of, he was out there for 90 minutes, I believe, but uh, I'm not sure how many uh, sort of uh, kind of impacts he made in this game. Yeah. I, I'm Alex, you're sure. shaking your head there for a second when we were talking about Espinosa. I mean, are, are you are you seeing something different than what we're seeing here? Espinosa, always fantastic. No complaints about Espinosa. I am a little more skeptical of the narrative that the earthquakes 
were creating lots of chances and were dangerous in the final third. They put in lots of crosses, that's for sure. But it felt like they were aimless crosses. It felt like they didn't have a strong idea of what they wanted to do with the ball. Can you think of one moment that the Quakes had in that game of playing a a through ball in behind, of playing a few quick passes and then ripping a shot on target? I can't think of many of those chances where they're playing direct, down-the-middle, progressive passes. It felt like sometimes crossing because they didn't know what else to do. And so that's why I wasn't as optimistic, happy with the way that this team performed today. Well, they were just getting swamped. It was swarmed every time they got into the uh, the half circle at the top of the box. I mean, there were three or four or five Toronto players just cutting the ball out and and all the little dancing in the world wasn't going to get the ball uh, loose to anyone. Again, I think that's where Bobasi was was just not able to make an impact. Is uh, he just not, did not have any space to turn? Mm-hmm. You know, the Quakes' uh, you know best first half opportunity did come up from the wing. It was Acapo taking a pass from Espinosa after Cade Cowell had gotten loose and, and gotten the ball up the field, and I think. I think it was Benji on the end of it who kind of put steered it wide of the goal in, in the sixth or seventh minute. And it, it seemed like that was like a really good sequence. A lot of guys got a touch on the ball. I think Paul Marie was the first one to touch that ball and stealing it from Bernadeschi. And so you had everyone involved and it looked like, oh, okay, this could be something. And you're right, Alex, that was probably the last time in the first 45 that we mm-hmm. saw that kind of sequence take place. I didn't say dangerous when I said Espinosa was getting crosses in. Keep in mind, we didn't see enough of the uh, the runners into uh, into places to get to those balls. Mm-hmm. And even when they were, I think, you know, uh, we saw Tommy Thompson do do what Tommy Thompson could do, which unfortunately wasn't enough tonight uh, when he did have a few of those crosses or got near the end of those crosses. And, and again, just just not enough, not enough out of those guys. So I, I think Espinosa is probably going to come out looking pretty good stats wise, but uh, unfortunately no one on the end of him to capitalize on those. Uh, Alex, you had mentioned that the subs were one of the moments in the match that actually made a difference here that, that the subs that Lucci chose were actually impactful for the team. And I'm curious as to like what particularly you were seeing, because yes, I think the statistics would support what you're saying, what you're, what you were saying, but I'm just a little curious, like, could you reflect upon exactly what it was you saw that made the difference for the team? Well, I think the Quakes looked better in the second half, even before they made those substitutions. I think that they came out with more energy, with more intensity. I think they were pressing higher up the field. Uh, I think they looked better in the second half before they made those substitutions. And then, you know, when you put Tommy Thompson in and you go back to the uh, 4-2-3-1, the 4-3-3 formation, they just looked more comfortable with the passing through the midfield. Uh, having that number 10, that point person to direct the play, they, they, they were getting the ball in dangerous areas and keeping it there. It, defensively, keeping those players uh, in the final third, keeping the ball in the final third, pressing Toronto and, and keeping that ball high is, is what made them uh, look better um, in the second half. And that's been, that's been a theme this season. I, I think it's, it's almost the anti-Matias Almeida you know, Matias mm. Almeida's teams were strong in the first half and then completely collapsed because they got tired in the second half. Luigi Gonzalez's teams thus far have looked tepid, mild in some of these home games in the first half and then really applied the pressure in the second half. And I, I think the Quakes did have people on the end of those crosses. They did have guys who were there in the final third. It's just Benji Kukanovic and, and Kate Cowell weren't putting the ball in the back of the net. And I want to focus on Benji Kukanovic because he's had an opportunity to start in this game. He's had a couple opportunities to get more minutes in these last few games. And, you know, we were expecting him to be challenging Tommy Thompson for that starting role. Right now, it looks like they're both playing to see who can be on the bench because neither of them have put in enough. And 
especially with Benji today, I was surprised about just the lack of confidence. You know, he wasn't uh, he he wasn't pressing high in the in uh, in the final third. He didn't look decisive in the final third in the way that he has in the past. And maybe it's because he's on the wing. Maybe you know, one of our our colleagues, Asher Cohen, would say, look. Benji Gakanovich is a number nine born and bred, and he looks lost on the on the left wing. If you if you talk to Asher Cohen, if you're in the Quakes Epicenter Slack channel, you can join as a patron for five dollars a month. That's what Asher Cohen is saying uh, in there. He's he's always the one to remind us Benji Gakanovich is a number nine, and I think Benji Gakanovich can play well on the wing. But tonight, I was more inclined to agree with Asher. He he just looked a little lost out there. And and look, there's comments here about. Uh, 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 you know, the offer that he had from AEK Athens over the winter break. Um, yeah, maybe there's still over there. Some, some lingering regret in the back of his head about that deal not going through. I, I, I'm just, games like this make me question where his head's at and where his mentality is right now. Well, I think like when you're not getting the starts as well, when, you know, you have somebody who's playing in front of you, of course you're going to be you know, you're going to have that drive to get the starts, but if you're not actually there getting the minutes from the beginning of the match, I'm sure that has some sort of, you know, that's going to affect his performance. But I mean, this is all speculative, right? Um, you know, this could be something that changes over the course of the season, who knows? But I, I did want to kind of press a little bit more on Cade Cal here because he seems to continue to be a polarizing figure amongst fans uh, because he's not finishing his chances, right? We did see him get at least one really solid chance off a rebound tonight. Uh, this was off the corner kick that, that uh, Christian Espinoza took. Uh, and then I believe it was off of the, uh, the Jackson Ewell shot from outside the box. That's, you know, Cade was there. He could have put away the chance. But he hasn't been necessarily putting away the chances. He hasn't had the stats on his side yet. And at the same time, you're seeing him create space in certain areas that perhaps other guys without his skill set are going to create. Uh, the question is, though, is any of this going to come to fruition? And is he going to lose that spot possibly to Benji Kikanovich or to some other sort of formation. I mean, tonight we saw the 4-4-2 at a necessity, but is this something that could stick going forward? Or do we go back to what Lucci has shown once he gets Jimero Montero and Carlos Grueso back? Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, Alex, you said it right. You know, the, again, the fact that they're playing 4-4-2, you had Benji playing as a, a true wide midfielder. He had defensive responsibilities. You know, the graphic I saw on Apple TV was that Toronto was putting 86%, in, at least in the first half of their attacking uh, plays down that right-hand side through the channel and the wing. And so he clearly had some responsibilities as a defender. You had Cade sort of playing as a second forward. It would have been interesting to see those guys switch it up a little bit now and again. You know, maybe that would have been enough to sort of spur one of them to to do, uh, you know, to kind of, you know, just play to their strengths. But uh, we didn't see that, and that might just be, you know, based on the tactics that they were uh, that they were instructed to follow. So, maybe, you know, did, did Benji just play poorly, or did Benji just not uh, sort of rise to the challenge? Uh or, or was he just in a position that uh, didn't, didn't, you know, didn't suit him? And I, 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 you know, Alex, I know you, you, you would say part of that most of the time, Benji. And I think, I think I agree with you there. But I also think the four four two looked kind of uncomfortable for a lot of different players out there. And I don't think that you know allowed folks to play at their best, you know, because of the necessity of that uh, that formation. So, Alex, we're over a month into the season here. We still have this lingering question about Cade Cowell. And Benji Kikanovich, right? This far in. I mean, if you're looking into the next match for the Quakes, who are you starting at that position? Or who who are you putting in there? Who's your guy? I, I, I think I have to keep Kata Cowell in there. I don't think Benji Kikanovich did enough tonight to warrant uh, a start on that left wing. 
Uh, and I, there's a fun comment here that I want to highlight that, that says uh, one of our one of our audience members here is watching tonight without knowing the score. And I'm curious what this audience member now thinks the score is, having listened to the show for yeah, five minutes. I, I, I am thinking that we maybe are giving the impression that the Quakes lost tonight. They did not, in fact, lose tonight, but it felt like one of those draws that was a loss. Are you sure? I don't know. It kind of felt it like an L to me. It, 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 exactly. It, it felt like uh, the Quakes I left points on, on the table in this one. And, and you know, <laughs> Cowell was one of those guys who had chances. And we have to go to Lucci now, but we'll talk more about that. All right. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us tonight. We're ready here with Lucci Gonzalez. So let's go take a first question uh, from Robert Jonas. Uh, thanks, Lucci. Sort of, sort of a tough result tonight, given the uh, the circumstances. Uh, a home game against a, a very depleted Toronto team. Um, is this the kind of uh, draw that feels like a lost opportunity? And and what was it that the team was missing tonight to to get to all three points? Thank you. I mean, we've had our challenges as well with injuries and also missing guys. So. Um... You know, definitely, I think both Toronto and us had challenges in that regard. But um, <clears throat> look, I, I'm happy with some of the things we created in terms of our expected goals. You know, I think we, we definitely created enough chances to, to score at least a goal. Uh, we defended very well collectively and individually, so shutting down a few of their key guys, and um, and that's important. If we can, if we can have an effort like that consistently defensively. I, Things will bounce our way offensively, I believe, in our process. Um, and it, it did not. So, yeah, we, we are disappointed not to have scored um, and put one of those chances away to, to win the game and get the maximum three points. So, um, And we, we at home are, expect that. So, uh, But, look, it's, it's, it was there. It was close. Um, you know, and, and uh, we got to keep pushing. We got to analyze it and see what little details uh, to improve so that so that would have bounced our way and and maximize the points but you know we'll we'll uh, rest and we'll regroup and we have a great opportunity to make up those points against Houston next week and prepare for that next question Jamin Moore Uh, Jamie, we'll come back to you. Uh, next question, Michael Robertson. All right, Coach. Uh, when you have a situation like that with the tie here at home, are you worried about that coming back to bite you later on in the season, or do you just look at it as we played well on defense and um, we just couldn't get the goal to the back of the net, the ball to the back of the net? Yeah, like, like I said before, In the short term, uh, these games at home. So in the locker room, there was definitely happy faces. We we want to win the, these games at home in front of our fans and family. So, but at the same time, we, we got to grab points. It's a long point. Adding points and adding to the sum in any ways is going to be positive. So, you know, uh, I think that's that's key. And um, like I said about the next one against Houston. That's that's the next focus. We, we can't control what what happened now, um, but we can control how we approach the next game to to push, you know, push things a little bit farther so that we can capitalize on chances we we create and uh, we put another 
defensive uh, effort like we did tonight. Uh, and then look, Toronto, uh, they have some good individual players. Even though they're missing guys, they, they had a player like Bernadeschi that can create Vasquez and then Michael in the middle is, is always going <clears> to <throat> be difficult to close down and, and, and take away their possession. But um, you know, I'm, I'm happy with the effort of the guys and, and we pushed the game. If you look at our expected goals the second half, I mean, we, we were pushing the game. We were unlucky not to score one of those. So we got to create more of them. Sure, let's do it. Um, but we also want to be efficient with our chances. So let's keep working and show consistency and, and believe that that will bounce our way the next time. Next up, Alex Morgan. Hi, Luchi. Can you hear me? Yes. Thanks for joining us tonight. I, I want to ask uh, about that uh, left side of the attack. You have Benji Kanovic, you have Cade Cowell. Neither of them have been able to log a goal or an assist this season, not for the lack of creating chances on that left side. What were your thoughts about their performances tonight, getting to see both of them on the seal at the same time? Uh, and, you know, do you want to see more from them? What do you think they can do more to, to, to improve that end product? Yeah, look, Benji and, and Cade, it was a, a different look tonight to have them together on the field and, and look to create uh, and use their verticality, use quick combinations and, and their high energy. Um, yeah, we, we have to keep working. They have such high ceilings, both of them in different ways. And, you know, I think the volume was there in terms of runs in behind and, and getting in, you know, ben, both Benji and Cade had one-on-one -on -one moments, edge of the box. Can we turn those into a cross? Can we turn those into a shot with a combination or cutting inside or getting in the box and receiving uh, a cross from the other side from Christian or, or, or a capo? So, and then building relationships with the left fullback. In this case, it was Paul Marie, Jabo. So, you know, I think there's a lot of potential there uh, for both of them. They're both young still in the league and, and can, and, and they want to reach their potential just like me as their coach. So, um, but but I'm happy with their mentalities. They're they're working hard, and there's little details that we can adjust together um, with the team so that they they can show efficiency and, and effectiveness. I believe me, they want to they want to score, they want to assist just as bad as we or the team or myself want them to. So uh, we got to keep working on that for sure. But they have all the capacity. Take a couple more questions. Uh, next up, Kevin Guillen. Hey, Coach. Um, I wanted to ask you about going up against someone like Bob Bradley. Uh, what are your thoughts on an occasion like that? And um, how did his side end up approaching the game tactically? Like, did anything surprise you? Um, yeah, your thoughts on that. Yeah, but, you know, Bob, uh, have had quite a few games now against him over the years when he was at LAFC and now, now with Toronto in preseason and, and this game tonight. But uh, utmost respect for Bob. He's a, he's a legend, national team. And, MLS. So, um, you know, he's someone that I've been in touch with personally and, and through my journey, he's had a connection with me and he's been a mentor to me. So I, I appreciate the relationship. Uh, and it's a big honor to every time I get to, to coach against him. So, uh, and, and in my competitive nature, I want to beat him every time and I'm sure he wants to do the same, but, uh, no, nothing but respect. I'm always excited to, to coach against a legend like, like Bob. And then tactically, you know, he puts a lot of like uh, footballers together in terms of the technical side, 
get some false wingers or midfielders together and they make it difficult when they connect passes and and put a sequence together that that you have to defend and shift and get pressure on the ball and they break it re repress so um you know he knows to put good technical smart players together and and they controlling the game that way is i thought it was a back and forth in terms of possession and and uh and so I'll, obviously i'll give them credit for that next question jamie the morning hi lucci uh sorry i wasn't able to hear the first part of the press conference so sorry if this got asked but i wanted to talk a little bit about the difficulty i think getting balls in behind uh notice before the game in terms of through balls statistics, you know, there hasn't been as many of those as there has been like crosses and cutbacks and ways of getting around the outside with Christian Espinosa, for instance. But, uh, you know, they seem pretty compact tonight. But do you feel that you need to test the back line through the middle of the field in order to put more variety of pressure against the back line? Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you, you said it already. Uh, Toronto had good compactness defensively, um, almost like in this 4-5-1. And and it's not easy to break lines, you know, especially centrally when they have the extra number centrally. So um, I thought we we were better and more effective in terms of rotating the ball and starting starting the attack on one side, finishing it on the other to create attacks, and then two overloads two versus one wide with the fullbacks and our wingers, and and that gave us more volume of crosses. Um, and then look in in terms of getting in behind, you know. Uh, a lower block or a compact block, it's not easy to get in behind. So we have to do, do better to play around them and, and between them. Um, but look, expected goals were was a decent number. Um, wasn't enough to, to score. So we, can we get more connection between the cross and the, and the run in the box? Uh, so that last kind of pass, that last cross, that last final product, you know, Tommy's there almost for the rebound. Buddha's getting in the box in the weak side. Abel's in the box with possessions, trying to get shots off. Christian getting really good volume of crosses, but against a lower center back, a lower fullback, it's not easy. But yeah, we, we definitely want to improve that uh, so that we can be more uh, efficient next time. And one final question uh, in Spanish by Carlos Vizis. Luchi, buenas noches. Eh, bueno, lo contesté ya un poquito en, en, en inglés, pero eh, da la sensación de que te, te puedes ir satisfecho porque defensivamente el equipo se vio muy bien, se vio muy compacto, eh, comienza a tener más control del juego en el segundo tiempo y bueno, eh, un poquito también lo de la semana pasada, ¿no? que puedes crear situaciones buenas, situaciones de calidad, pero por mala suerte o por falta de puntería no, la, no las pueden terminar, ¿no? Sí, contento con el esfuerzo defensivo individualmente y, y colectivamente. Eh, no, no concedir en casa es importante. Y haciendo eso te da la oportunidad de, de meter un gol y ganar, ¿no? Pero no, no se dio. Eh, la expectativa de gol, la estadística fue positiva, 1.9, algo así, casi 2. O sea que tu, tuvimos la oportunidad, calidad en la oportunidad para, para meter por lo menos un gol, pero no se dio. Eh, tenemos que seguir mejorando en la creatividad, en la impredecibilidad para crear oportunidades y, y ser eficaz ¿no? con, con los, las oportunidades. Pero eh, ahí podemos seguir creciendo. Tenemos un equipo joven y con hambre y ¿por qué no podemos mejorar? Y, y vamos a tratar de hacer eso ahora próximo contra, contra Houston. All right, thank you everyone for the questions. We'll be having a player here uh, momentarily.
Buenas noches. Interesting stuff. Um, really love the question from Jamin about the difficulty getting the balls in behind, right? Because we know that Lucci has been talking about figuring out ways to break lines since preseason. Like that's the one thing that he's been hitting on again and again and again with this team. Um, and then we had the question from you as well, Alex, on Caden Benji. You went right for the jugular there. Um, was it as, you know, Carlos said, uh, you know, mala suerte or was it something else? Like what's going on here? Is this team just not finding the like, you know, that one ball to get, you know, to, to get put into the back of the net, or is it just like they're there and they're not able to accomplish it? As Lucci said, like just being a little more clinical and that, you know, that final third. I mean, what, what are your thoughts here in, in regards to what he said, particularly about Kate and Benji and then just missing those chances? Look, I, I'm willing to believe that there was a little mala suerte tonight. Um, that's plausible. The Quakes, according to, to some of the XG charts we've seen, had one point. Uh, 6 to 1.8 xg so you'd expect them on most nights to be able to put the ball in the back of the net with a couple of those rodriguez headers quite possibly but for Cade and benji i don't think there was any issue with their luck as you heard luigi gonzalez say it was their decision making in the final third it was when they got the ball at the top of the box one-on-one -on -one with their defender and they can't make anything out of it. They run straight into their defender, they take it down the line and they lose the ball or they get it caught under their feet. They're not getting the ball, taking a touch inside shooting. They're not getting the ball, taking a step, beating their man. They're not getting a ball and making a quick pass and, and doing a one-two. They're not doing any of those things. And that's not luck. That's, you know, issues with their decision-making and their touch and their concentration in the final third. And I think we heard somewhat contradictory things about uh that uh in the the, the press conference we heard him right, say guys, it has potential and capacity which are two different Espinoza. things uh christian will be answering questions in both spanish and english so feel free to um ask however you prefer uh let's go with the first question from alex morning hi christian uh, thank you for joining us tonight uh it's good to speak with you uh what do you think uh, was was the issue tonight with putting the ball in the, the back of the net? Do you think it was for lack of creating chances? Do you think it was an issue with the finishing? You know, what, what do you think was the difference between uh, scoring and, and, you know, not being able to put the ball on the goal tonight? I think I was a little bit unlucky because we had two or four or five uh, clear chances to, to score. Well, I remember right now the Benji, the first uh, hug, then Kate in the second half, also Carlos Acapo, um, Jackson uh, shooting from outside the, the 18. Um, so I think that tonight was a little bit unlucky for us. We we create um, a couple of chances to, to score, but we couldn't. Thank you, Christian. Uh, next question, Kevin Guillen. Hey, Christian. Um, I was wondering, you know, with Carlos and Jaime, like both out of the midfield, um, what were you guys being asked to do tactically today against Toronto? Uh, I think that we tried to, to press them, to force them to play wide, and then make our, our style to press. Uh, we were working the whole week uh, pressing in a four four two, so we changed that way to play. Um, 
and I think that we did a a great a great job today. Next up, Jamie Moore. Hey, Christian. Nice to talk to you. Uh, congratulations on the point and the clean sheet. Um, defensively, it felt like you guys did enough to earn the point tonight in the attack. It felt disjointed at times, and particularly, I think, in the first half, it seemed that uh, the team was struggling to find each other in, in the final third, uh, but maybe you grew into the game as you went. What were the challenges that you were facing with this Toronto team that you think were uh, making the attack not come together as well as it can tonight? Yes, I, I am agree with you in the first half. We we can to connect each other, uh, but I think uh, that was because um, in the first half normally the, the other teams come with a lot of energy, um, but we we are we know it that the to the second half they're gonna drop that energy, so um, we can create um, more chances to score. And that was what what happened on the field. And, but today we we can uh, uh, to connect uh, a couple of crosses and, and the other chances that we had. So, but but we are happy with this point with the clean sheet too. Um, and we had to to keep growing. Next question, Marco Ekalovic. Hi, Christian. Thanks for taking time to talk to us. You know, it just seemed like when you guys had your chances, especially down low in their zone, there was just mis some mistiming with passes, whether we were centering them or off to the side. Um, in this instance, do you miss a guy like Montero who, you know, usually centers your guys' midfield and maybe, you know, you had to do a little, maybe a little too much than, than what you normally do tonight in this game? Thank you. Yes, yes, obviously we we always want to miss uh, the um, – the players like Shamiro because they, there is like a, the connection between the midfielders with the strikers. But today I think that Jackson did a great game and also to 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 do in like a double job, no? Working defensively and and also in a, in attacking way. So so yes, we miss Shamiro, but. But I think the, the, the guys did a, a great job, too. Now let's take a couple more questions. Um, next up, we'll take one from Michael Roberson. All right. So um, when you have this tie situation like this, are you looking at it as a positive or is it a negative, especially if it's at home? and how do you build on this, knowing that you guys had some great opportunities, but they just didn't go on the goal? No, we we are working always in the in different situations. Uh, not only when the the teams come and press high, and also when the when the teams come here and defend the almost the, the entire game, trying to find some uh, counter attack. Um, so today, uh, as as the Colorado game, they they dropped the defensively line too too deep, and uh, that was very difficult to to break to break down the that line of of four defensive. So 
but I think that, that we managed the ball very well and, and we are created a, a, a couple of chances to score. So I think that wasn't a, a bad game for us. It was a good point. And as I said before, we, we, we had to, to keep going. Next question, Robert Jonas. Gracias. You um, you mentioned how this week you and the team practiced in a 4-4-2. Um, it did look a little kind of unfamiliar out there for, for guys. The connections and the chemistry didn't quite seem to be there. Um, if, if this is a formation that you're, you'll need to use in, in games moving forward, you know, what are some of the improvements you'd like to see from you and the teammates to, to be able to be effective in that uh, in that formation? I don't know. Maybe that question is for Lucci because he's um, he's the coach. He's the the man who take the decisions to play four four two or four three three. So sorry, but I can answer that question. It's not the pen of me. That's the pen of Lucci and his staff. Thank you, Cristian, and thank you everyone for your questions. And uh, we'll stay in touch for the next uh, video. What will be availability? Thank you. Thank you, guys. Oh. <laughs> yeah, when he mentioned that that they had been practicing in that four four two, I was thinking the same thing. So I actually really appreciate that you asked that question, Robert. But it's a little disappointing that we didn't get a little bit more out of it, and that he kind of deflected over towards. Luchi Gonzalez to be able to answer that for us. Uh, you know, one thing I wanted to go back to, Alex, because you were you were talking right before Christian came in and we were talking about Mala Suerte. And it's interesting because one of the first things Christian said when he was answering your question was what? That they were unlucky yeah. during the, the course of those opportunities. So I wanted to, to, you know, give you a chance to kind of reflect on that response that he had, maybe kind of finish up the thoughts that you had. And then uh, Robert, I'd like to hear from you after that. Look, I, I'm glad that the audience appreciates my candor because I'm, I'm going to be blunt and honest right now. I think that the team needs to demand more of themselves than that. I was surprised that Espinosa seemed happy with that draw, seemed willing to take the point in that game. He said, you know, I think he said verbatim, correct me if I'm wrong, we're happy with that draw. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, seems like a, a lot of our audience was not happy to hear that because we had at least 15, 20 people leave this uh, stream in the middle of that press conference. Because, look, it was frustrating <laughs> to hear that after such a, a frustrating game where it felt like the Quakes needed to be asking more questions and needed to be on the front foot. Um, for them to be willing to accept that draw um, is is weird. I, I have higher expectations of this team of what I think they can be and, and, and the level at which I think they can achieve this season. Um, I don't think this game was, was good enough. And I'm surprised that that was the tone that this press conference took. So, so there's, there's my brutally honest assessment. Jamin pointed something out to us in our, uh, and when he was uh, messaging us during the press conference, and that is according to FOTMOB, the, uh, expected goals for the team was 1.8 mm -hmm. and you could account that to like bad luck in this case now good teams don't blame their losses or draws on bad luck throughout the season that's the thing right they create their own luck so. well, yeah good teams don't need uh, you don't find themselves in that situation where they're trying to get a last gasp goal to to nick a win you look at a good team like st louis city fc they're beating teams three nil four nil left and right they're scoring multiple goals in the first half 
putting teams on the back foot, playing high pressure football. Teams like that aren't worried about one or two missed chances in the final third. It's because the Quakes, you know, aren't creating dangerous enough chances. You know, we've seen them play direct down the middle before. They, they, I think there was a stat on Twitter about how they had the most progressive passes of any team in Major League Soccer in the first four games of the year. That, that signals how vertical they can play, how much Luchi Gonzalez has changed this team. They weren't doing that tonight. And, you know, without that number 10, they haven't been finding those direct balls up the middle. Uh, and that's why they were relying on luck tonight. Yeah. And Robert, kind of curious as to what you think here, too. There were some nuggets there that we got from Christian. Yeah. Uh, there was a bit there from Lucci, too. I know you didn't have a chance to reflect you know, on what he had to say as well. Well, when I kind of put both of those together, and, and, and this sort of, I think, dovetails, Alex, to what you're saying, you know, it, they, the Quakes should have come out the favorites in this game. They should have played like they were the favorites. But, you know, Toronto was a weakened team. But then Lucci said, oh, but we were weakened too. And, you know, Christian's talking about, you know, this week playing the 4-4-2, but clearly implying that it's, you know, it was challenging to, to sort of rise to the occasion when you're, when you're using that tactical setup uh, on such a short notice. I almost feel like, you know, there was there were conversations around this game being like, OK, we're playing you know for the draw. We deserve at least a draw and hopefully we'll get a win out of it, as opposed to we're at home. And sure, we're missing a couple of players, but we're at home and we've got guys who know what they're doing. And we're going to go out there and beat a team that's coming from the East Coast and 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 get these three points. I mean, these are the these kind of games, especially in Major League Soccer, if you're playing a team three time zones away. You're supposed to win those games, you know, the, and, and the, the mentality perhaps didn't come through in those press conference responses. And I, maybe that wasn't the mentality they had leading into this game. And, and, and Alex, that might go very well with, uh, you know, what you're observing here. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense considering their response in the, the press conference. So, uh, Alex, I wanted to kick it over to you one more time before we make our round or make our way over to the final thoughts. Um, anything else that you wanted to add after the press conference here? I, I mean, look, uh, there were some positives uh, in, in terms of seeing Judson uh, take the field. Uh, and and I, I, I uh, was uh, regretful that that wasn't asked uh, to, to, to Lucci uh, in the press conference about what he um, thought about Judson's performance, because he is a guy who can come in uh, and if he's fully fit, play in that midfield and allow them to get back to the 4-3-3 formation in which they're more comfortable. So that was positive. Wish we'd had the opportunity to ask uh, Luchi Gonzalez about that. Uh, and I mean, the only other thing from the press conference uh, was the, the, the mixed messaging about uh, Cade Cowell and Benji Kakanovich. That was the only other thing that stood out to me. The fact that on the one hand, uh, you have uh, Luchi Gonzalez saying that both of those players have the potential to be dangerous decisive in the final third and on the other hand Luci Gonzalez saying they have the capacity to do so and because those are two different things we know that that Cade Cowell is good at having potential he's very very good at having potential getting himself in dangerous positions and getting very close to scoring but we haven't seen him we don't know if he's good at you know putting the ball in the back of the net at finishing those far post chances at making one twos in the final third. He's getting better at some of those things. His service is getting better. I think his off the ball runs are getting better. We don't know if he's good at those things yet consistently. And uh, he'll need to be consistently good if he wants to go to Europe. And there was a big article in the daily mail this week uh, about uh, 
the fact that he wants to move to Europe. He had a, a quote that was, I think, more bullish than we've ever heard Cade Cowell. He said, and I quote, I am ready to go to Europe. I feel like I have done enough in San Jose to earn that move to Europe. And uh, in the basis of these first five games of the season, I don't know if you can say that's true. You know, he's had potential, but uh, I, I, I think it'll be difficult to secure that move to Europe that he wants if he, you know, hasn't put the, the ball in the back of the net or contributed to a goal or assist by the, the time summer rolls around. Yeah, that's quite interesting, actually, because I'm wondering if Cade were to go to Europe, like exactly how much of that potential he could unlock, right? Like, is it still too early for him to make that move? Because this is the same story time and again. There are some players who get those opportunities, they go off to Europe and they don't quite find it when they get there or perhaps they come up through the system and then they end up over here in MLS you know thinking somebody like Terrence Boyd for example who never quite found his footing had some good appearances didn't quite find it came over here he's back over there I'm wondering like if Cade is at that point where he can actually find his way onto an 18 um, you know if, if he gets if he makes that move over so why don't we go ahead and get into the last segment of the show here which is the final thoughts Robert if you wouldn't mind starting us off here uh, well, we never mentioned his name and neither did it come up in the press conference, but JT Marcinkowski with a second clean sheet here at PayPal Stadium. So I think that's something that uh, we should remember. <laughs> I hope I hope Jamin Moore is watching right now. I say it wasn't Daniel. It was it was definitely JT. Uh, and uh, he made a couple of critical saves, critical stops there in the first half. Didn't have a whole lot to do after that as the, the Quakes defensive center backs, uh, Jonah Mensa and Rodriguez played really well tonight I, I think overall and, and when you have two center backs playing that kind of game together your goalie is going to have a nice night off and, and that seems to be how the way the second half played off so I'm going to kind of lead with that it's a clean sheet it's it's a it's a point earned by the defense the offense didn't do their job and so they lost the other two points tonight but JT and the defense did everything it asked of them and, and did a fantastic job and who knows Rodriguez was playing like he uh, needed a goal to trigger a contract extension or something tonight and almost made it happen and and uh, like you said, if that's your best offensive player coming out of your back line, then okay. And then again, it's up to the offense to step it up next week in Houston. In the most entertaining moments of the night, JT Marcinkowski's flying header uh, in the, uh, the first half. I don't think I've ever seen stunning. anything like that. It was stunning. Um, yeah, it was, and I think I think it even caught the Toronto player off guard a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of, it was Robin, you know, Robin Van Persie, uh, World Cup 2014. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Against Spade. Just like that, JT Marson <laughs> a little further out, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah almost, almost. All right, Alex, what, what are you there. what are you thinking here as we uh, as we end the show, heading over to uh, the next home match on April first against the Houston Dynamo? What are your closing thoughts? Well, look, a lot of people were very negative and pessimistic after the result against St. Louis City uh, SC last weekend they lost three nil so of course people were going to be a little dejected after that game and what i said after that game was i'm gonna reserve my judgment i'm gonna hold my judgment until the quakes pay toronto when they're back at home uh you know when they're uh playing against an eastern conference team that's going to be missing a lot of players uh and i think this game is i i, I said last week i think this game would be more representative of, of the san jose earthquakes we're going to see uh, this season and that worries me a little bit because uh, in the basis of this performance this is going to be a team that's scraping to get in the playoffs uh, once again uh, this year this is was not the performance of a team that is confidently challenging for the top of the the western conference this this wasn't 
a, a team pushing the tempo. This wasn't a team in control uh, and, and you know, willing to take the game by the, the scruff of the neck. Uh, they, they, weren't, they weren't doing that tonight. And uh, that doesn't mean they don't have the potential to do that. Uh, but uh, it's still missing. It's still missing in, in the, the final third. Uh, and they're going to need uh, to inject more intensity into the final third. I mean, there's positives, right? I, I thought Luchi Gonzalez mentioned the overlaps down the down the wings. You had overlaps from Acapulco, you had overlaps from Pomeroy. That was creating dangerous opportunities with those overloads on the wing. Uh, so, so they're doing things right. It's just not clicking. And I think, I think having Jameer Montero in the back in the starting lineup next week uh, will be huge because he's a guy who allows them, who facilitates that vertical play, uh, and who can. Uh, m- create those chances in the final third uh, and set up his teammates in, in, in good positions. And, you know, if you have Jameer Monteri setting you up on a plate, maybe you don't even have to ask Kate Cowell or Benji Gukanovich to do as much uh, as, as they were asked to do uh, tonight. So, you know, there, there are those positives, but I just the, the overall um, energy that I took away from this game wasn't where um, I wanted to be. Maybe it was because Kate Cowell shaved the mustache. Maybe, maybe the mustache was bringing the vibes. <laughs> and now because the mustache is gone, uh, the Quakes didn't have the oh, yeah. vibes anymore. Maybe, maybe it was that. Am I, am I wrong, Phil? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's going to, it's time will tell. Time will tell. I think we need to see <laughs> at least one more match. So I need to see that Ben made a comment about my mustache area and the lighting is, it's really bad. I I swear it looks better in person. It looks looks pretty good. (laughs) If you're sitting right here, it's it's pretty good. But you know, I can see what you're saying, Ben. It's, it's it's not, um, yeah, I don't want to comment any more than that. I have to, so the, the the only other thing I have to do before we have is I have to give Jamin Moore an opportunity to respond because I called him out. Uh, Jamin Moore has been, has been, uh, talking about uh, in in the the little producers chat we have back here, uh, JT Marcinkowski and Danielle, and I will say it is true that uh, JT Marcinkowski did not face a high volume of shots tonight. That's something that that Jamin has mentioned uh, in the the battle between Danielle and, and JT Marcinkowski uh, in the uh, in the Quakes goal so far. But he did make a really really key save in that first half, and I think yeah, this game could look different. Uh, if if uh, JT Marcinkowski didn't make that save, he so made every save I, he was called to make. That's you know that's what you want your goalkeeper to do. I, I yeah. want to leave that discourse open and uh, uh, <laughs> uh, allow Jamin to uh, return to that the next time he's on the show. So <laughs> the last thing I was thinking about as we head into the match against Houston was how affected Jackson Ewell was in this match. You know we didn't yeah. talk a whole lot about that, but the loss of Carlos Grueso, um has definitely impacted Jackson's play. And I just thought, well, for one, under Lucci Gonzalez's system, I think Jackson has looked a lot better overall. Yep. However, uh, with Carlos Grueso playing at a higher level, I think the first match he was t- still kind of like settling into the team. We didn't see his best. But as the matches were progressing, as the season was progressing, we were seeing better play from Grueso and Yule was looking a lot better as a result. So even with Jamiro Montero coming back, there's still that question mark for me. Like, is Yule going to be able to find his position is he going to be able to find himself within the system as he had when Grueso was there. So that's a lingering question for me. And I think it's really important, you know, Alex, you had mentioned earlier about finding, uh, you know, those, those passes getting in behind defenses and actually Jamin asked about that in the press conference. And I think you get that from Jackson when he is most comfortable, when he finds this position with the team, when he gets settled in and he can rely on the guys playing behind him 
to have those defensive duties taken care of. And he doesn't necessarily have to do that himself. So that's something I'm really going to be looking towards when the Quakes take on Houston next week. Should they have Jim Earl Montero ready to go by that time with Jackson Yule uh, in the midfield? I think that's going to be a big question to be answered. So the last thing I wanted to mention as we close out the show, make sure you check out quakesepicenter.com. If you go to quakesepicenter.com, you can find the salary spreadsheet written by Colin Etnier. So you can find out how the budgeting is currently working with the team, what the, uh, the roster has room for, and the current capacities in terms of designated players, uh, GAM and TAM, and at least uh, what we are giving our best estimate as to what that looks like at the moment. You also want to check out the Patreon, as you see at the bottom of the screen here. For just $2 a month, you can become a patron who gets early access to uh, the the content that we are releasing, whether it's uh, the, the photos that traditionally were released in the past uh, by Aaron Morgan, our photographer, uh, we do have some new content that will be coming up. My wife, Sarah, was down on the field today taking some photos for Quake's Epicenter, so we will have some of that available as well. We have the articles that are written by Robert Jonas, Jamin Moore, Alex Morgan, Asher Cohn, Colin Etnire, and A. Patel. There's a lot of great stuff there as well. So make sure you go check that out. If you are willing to give $5 a month, you can also get access to the Patreon Slack, where you can join the conversation with all the hardcore Quake's Epicenter uh, listeners and Quakes fans who are uh, consistently giving their takes throughout the week, not just after the match. So if you're enjoying the YouTube chat right now, just imagine you can have access to this sort of conversation, banter, and fun throughout the week. So um, I do want to thank everybody for joining us tonight, for uh, Robert Jonas and Alex Morgan, and for Jamin Moore for producing the show. I'm Phil Leva, and I just wanted to say thank you for joining us and have a wonderful evening.